Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be back with you guys. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for having me, Max. Really excited to be on. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. No, Eli, thanks for having me, man. I am ready to talk about Mikel Antonio. And my name is Gij. It's great to be on the pod again. Welcome to Footy Fellows. Welcome to Footy Fellows, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, talking life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Footy Fellows Pod, F O O T Y Fellows Pod. We've officially launched our first Footy Fellas Fantasy Premier League, as we mentioned last time. So check out our Twitter or Instagram for details to join the FOF community. Very free, very low commitment, and very much a chance to win money. All good things that should get you interested. We're also pumped about the league sponsor, Clubhouse Athletic. We've worn the gear. We know it's comfortable. We know it's cool. You can get custom team apparel and masks from Clubhouse Athletic. So check out their website or their Instagram account as well. We chatted with a bunch of people for the pod today. We talked about a lot of teams, did a bit of a preview directly from the fans. How do you guys think that went? I think it went. It was exciting. I think a lot of people are excited about the league. I think a lot of people are also um, pessimistic about the league. But nonetheless, um, it is wonderful to hear that there is a variety of support out there. I feel like we get clouded in our own echo chambers of the same, you know, foursome and, and they're all usually in the top six, but um, it was refreshing to hear some, some folk from more mid tier teams, if you will. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to, to hear what everyone had to say about their beloved clubs. And yeah, as Joan said, some pessimism, some optimism, and uh, they're, they're pretty interesting interviews. Definitely learned a little bit myself. I think we should have asked everyone we chatted with, if they're going to be watching the first game of the season, that's at 6.30 a.m. Central time to, to make sure they pass that test as a true fan. Mm. <laughs> uh, we, we will be. There. We will. Yeah, because we absolutely will be. We're actually, we're flying there. They said no fans. We're doing a helicopter ride above the stadium to make sure we catch the first game in person live. Yep. yep. It's in our footy fella contract. We don't have a choice. We have to. Have Who's to. the contract with? Dude, you can't, you can't ask who it's with. Just say contract. Just okay. We just got to keep the crowd to going. The contract, nice. The contract from the administration. The uh, did you guys catch the England and uh, Iceland game at all? There was a funny uh, preface to it that uh, there was a single English fan who flew out to see the game, and no one was allowed in the stadium. So everyone who was trying to watch the game was watching it through like the fence. There's like fencing on the perimeter of the of the building or of the the stadium and so like the camera would every once once a while cut to them and you just see like this crowd of random people standing there hands in their jackets and stuff (laughs) they're like yeah one of them's british (laughs) (laughs) that's a diehard diehard and and i was like you know what yeah let's let's book our tickets guys we're doing it we're getting that person season ticks at that point, you're kind of just doing it for the story. If you know you can't get in, plus yeah. the, the fame doesn't hurt, knowing you you have a shot at being on TV. Right. That's hey, that's that's commitment. That's a that's a patriot. That's showbiz. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> that's a that's a smart marketing tactic. You drum up this whole story, and you mm-hmm. pay one fan to make the trip. Mm-hmm. The super fan, and they that's wear Freddy like Fellows gear. Exactly. I was gonna say that's kind of like the way we built it in our contract. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything we just talked about. If we can get ultra fans in the same way that they're ultras for other very committed teams, you know, and they supported us and they would go to games shouting out footy fellas, really pushing our message. I just think we could grow a little bit faster. That's all. Fans, if you're listening, just saying we could grow a little faster. We'd blow through the contract pretty quick. Just the the dollar signs that came along with the contract mm-hmm. we blow through that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But if we think that's the way to go, sometimes you just got to buy all the way in. Yep. Yep. I don't buy halfway. All the way. That's something I might 
something on my lip or am I good? No, you're good. I just feel like I got debris on my lip. <laughs> debris. I wasn't going to mention debris on your face, but I'll mention debris in our fridge because it's got holes in it. Does debris have holes in it? I don't know. It could have been good. <laughs> There's a stretch. That's a stretch there. <sighs> That's the only time in my life I've ever made a brie cheese joke using the debris language. That's pretty good. It's just a dad. You're just a dad. <laughs> da dad? Oh, is da dad in the fridge next to debris? No, oh, that's just, you're forcing it, man. God damn it. We did already have a couple of leagues start. Both the Women's Super League in England started this weekend. And the NWSL is also picked back up after their tournament. So a couple of leagues have started. Obviously, a lot of excitement there as well. Because we're doing the Fantasy Premier League and because we know a lot more fans personally that are hardcore supporters of clubs in the Premier League and the Men's Premier League, that's who we chatted with. And Icy, let's go to let's go to you first. I'm going to throw it your way. Tell us a little bit about who you chatted and how it went before we dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I spoke with, uh, first I spoke with Kelsey. She is a Liverpool fan like myself. Very fun speaking with her. She is optimistic for the season. And then I spoke with Helen, who has been a um, twice now guest on our podcast, all the way from Manchester, England. Spoke with her about her club team, which is Newcastle. Uh, very interesting talking with her. She is pe- she is now pessimistic. She's one of the pessimistic folks uh, that we talked to about this coming season. Um, she doesn't think Newcastle is going to perform very well. She fears that they might be relegated and you should definitely listen to our full interview to hear why she's so pessimistic and why she really does not like the direction Newcastle is going. I'm excited. Um, I captured a couple other thoughts. I, I grabbed some time with Hannah also from the women's soccer show um, and she is a, uh, Sheffield United fan through and through, um, since childhood. So, uh, I, I and, and from physical locality, so I, she inherently, you know, supersedes anything that we feel or say, I suppose. Um, that's not fair, but she, um, she was, she loved the fact that last season went, uh, so, so well, um, and is optimistic that the team will still find a way to, um, subvert other opponents' expectations, and that they uh, might might still be able to hold on to a mid-table to upper mid-table positioning. I also chatted with Teddy, uh, a high school friend who is a Wolves fan, um, and was a little worried that Wolves weren't um, going to be reinforcing a team that um, could use some depth. Um, that said, their recording took place a day or two before they pulled the trigger on a, uh, young Portuguese player. Um, and they seem to be in the hunt for a couple more. So, um, we'll see if his predictions are, are to come true. And then lastly, I, I chatted with a, a dear friend of the pod, um, Monsieur Geech, and, uh, he is a Tottenham fan, which, uh, as he expresses is a, a interesting place to be these days with all things Mourinho. Um, he is, he's feeling decent about the upcoming year, but, um, you know, I think the Tottenham project is, is not something to be evaluated in a year by year basis, but so much as where they can be in the next couple. Lastly, I, Eli chatted with Jack an Everton fan. We go way back. We played soccer for a long time and he's, I can attest that he's always been an Everton fan. So he's definitely not faking it. He had some interesting things to say. Tim, an Arsenal fan that we had on the pod in one of our earlier episodes, chatting, coaching. He definitely worked in some Arsenal, so similarly, real fan right there. And lastly, Pete, Peter, West Ham fan, also a real one. West Ham, a bit more of an intriguing team, you could argue, than Everton and Arsenal, a bit harder to pin down. So all three interesting conversations, and we appreciated getting thoughts from all of our FOFs, all the friends of Footy Fellas who... We're willing to shed light on the upcoming Premier League season from the mouths of the fans directly. Because who else would you want to hear? You don't want to hear it from us. No. Nope. Fake fans. Nope. Don't want to hear it from us. You want to hear it from them. We're strictly doing it for the money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're going to try it. 
It's in the contract. It's in the contract, I guess. Uh, so without further ado, we'll jump into it with Kelsey. I am delighted to be joined by my friend Kelsey today. She is a Liverpool fan and will be giving us her thoughts about the club in the lead up to the season in just a couple weeks. Kelsey, welcome to this preseason interview. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Good, good. I am very happy and excited to be talking Liverpool. Uh, for listeners who don't know, I am also a big Liverpool fan. So uh, very happy to have you on tonight, Kelsey. Liverpool had a fantastic season last year. They won their first Premier League title in uh, over 30 years. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think they'll be able to repeat their dominance in this coming season? I really hope so. I think that when it comes to soccer talent-wise, I think they'll be able to repeat that just fine. It really comes down for me to, you know, people call them the mentality monsters last season. And if they can keep that up while also adding the pressure of defending their title, I think that they'll have just as good as the season as last year and excel just as much. Um, but it's going to be really tough. I mean, people are going to target them as the defending champions. A win against the defending champions isn't just a win. It's it's a point proven. It's, oh, we defeated them. Now we can do this. And then that kind of gives everyone in the league a boost. So for them to win again, they're going to have to dig down like even harder and or even further and really battle harder for them to get back to the top of the table. Yeah, absolutely. They got a big target on their back this yeah. coming season. Of the the roster Liverpool is bringing to this season, now, right, some of it is still yet to be determined with mm -hmm. the transfer market still still open and teams picking and, and getting rid of players uh, at this moment. But in your opinion, in your eyes, who will be the most important player for Liverpool this season? So I should tell you this right away. I played defense and love defense my whole life, so I'm extremely biased to pick someone from <laughs> the, the back four. Um, and in my eyes, that would be Virgil van Dijk would be the most important player. I think we saw this last season that having a strong, dependable center back could really be a difference maker, not just for Liverpool, but for several other teams in the league. Like if they didn't have one or if they had someone inconsistent, they struggled. And then you had teams like Manchester United who had Maguire and was strong in the back. And they ended up finishing third, even though they like scored one goal a game for most of the season. Mm -hmm. So I just, I really think that his presence, he's great on set pieces. He's the rock of the defense. He's probably the best one V one and two V one when he's the one in the situation defender I've watched. I mean, he's just, he's a rock and so dependable. And I just, I, I love him. I love him. Max. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the exact same way. Great call with Virgil. I, I, I'd have to agree. I think um, he's a very cool, calm, and collected leader of the team, which is super important. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is is going to be the team that finishes the one spot below and the one spot above uh, Liverpool by, at the table in the table by the end of the season? Well, hopefully there is no one finishing one spot above Liverpool. Yes. <laughs> um, but if you're going to force me to choose someone, I no, think... you can definitely okay. say they will win. Well, uh, I would love them to win. I know it's going to be very hard. Um, I think it's going to be the same fight as it's been the last couple of years. I think Manchester City proved that they want to they want to beat Liverpool. They want to show up like they did after we had clinched the title, but they came in and scored a bunch of goals and, quite frankly, kind of embarrassed us a little. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be another battle with them. And, and when KDB wants to turn it on, he really can, and he scores some incredible goals. So I think... Every game is going to count, rather, depending on who we play. And so I think those two will be up there. And then I think as long as maybe like Manchester United, if they can get out of their their scoring slump that they kind of had for part of the year, and if they can stay healthy, I think that they're, they're going. And then I also kind of think that now I'm just like shooting off every team I can think <laughs> of at this point. But I also kind of feel that like, Chelsea can stay healthy. I think they were really starting to get into a good groove towards the end of the last season and with their young talent and with their their just numbers for it. And they've got some real attacking weapons up there. So they, they worry me a little bit too. But I think we're going to see another repeat of the football robots of Manchester City 
and Liverpool up at the top. I am delighted to be joined by fellow podcaster Helen all the way from Manchester, England. She is a Newcastle United fan and will be giving us her thoughts about the club in the lead up to the season in just uh, just over a week. Whoa. So, it's, uh, Helen. It's flown. <laughs> I know. Welcome to the preseason discussion. Newcastle, you know, finished 13th last season and the season before that. They actually haven't finished better than 10th since their most recent promotion to the Premier League. Now, do you think they'll be able to have more success and break into the top 10 this coming season? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, categorically no um, <laughs> I think uh, if you're new to the Premier League and you're looking for a club to support and you have a penchant for the ludicrous then Newcastle United is your team um, we're the sort of team that will lose 5-0 against Leicester and then beat Manchester United the week after like to put it in perspective since 2010 we've played Chelsea 18 times in the Premier League and they've won the league, the Champions League, Europa League in that time. And of those 18 fixtures, they've, they've beaten us six times. And then we can't get a result against the likes of Everton or Burnley. <laughs> so, like, can we get top 10? I don't think so. Um, I'd put money on us getting relegated this season. Uh, we've not strengthened any of the areas that needed strengthening. And we badly, badly need a proven striker who can get us 10 to 15 goals in the season um, but will we beat a top six team 5-0 and then lose against Crystal Palace the week after yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> well I like the uh just the the, the brutal honesty from a from a fan of Newcastle <laughs> the 2019-20 season uh that's just passed and we finished 13th um I genuinely thought we were going to get relegated because we lost Rafa Benitez the season before he walked from the club because of how awful it is to work for Newcastle United um, and our ownership. He, he, they brought in Steve Bruce, who's got the worst record in, in Premier League history. So the, the worst Premier League manager the league has ever seen. Um, so really, it just felt dire. It just felt like this cannot get any worse last season. And then, you know, I've got a few highlights, believe it or not, from last season, like beating Manchester United. That was really fun. Um, we had a really good game against West Ham that was really exciting and we had a couple of like games where we scored a few goals and it was that was really exciting but you know there wasn't that we didn't build on any foundations you know we didn't like go anywhere and then this season we were really lucky towards the end to sort of just scrape through without getting into a relegation battle we really were because basically there were people worse than us and then all those people that were worse than us have now bolstered their squads. So we're the only ones that haven't really, you know, done anything in this window to, to, to make any change for next season and to make it any better. So we're the only ones standing still and everybody else is, you know, building on the mistakes of last season or building on the foundations of last season, you know? Yeah. Yeah, true. That That's tough. I would assume definitely as a fan to see other teams making making good decisions and I wonder why Newcastle's now do they uh, are they are they do they not have the finances in order or you know I would assume most clubs are going through a bit of a rough patch financially but yeah so really good question um we are owned by one of the richest English people in the world who's a billionaire and you know not every club has billionaires a lot of millionaires but um we're we're in that we're in that sort of that few, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. um, essentially what it comes down to, and it's difficult because I'm a Newcastle fan, so I don't want to be biased and just present it from a Newcastle United rhetoric, if that makes sense. And I know there'll be people listening, you know, in America now who maybe don't know much about Newcastle United. So I don't want to taint that view, but essentially there's no denying our owner has caused uh, a lot of, you know, chasmic, like, issues between himself and the fans in terms of communication in terms of you know ass assaulting and abusing our our legends of the game and and in short no it's not because we haven't got the money <laughs> it's because 
because every year is about survival because every year that you stay in the Premier League is another year that you get given the Premier League uh, funding. So that's his only goal, stay in the Premier League. And that is a painful reality if you're a fan of football that wants to see your team grow and develop and, and flourish, you know? For this upcoming season, who in your mind is going to be the most important player? I know you weren't uh, giving them too many shining shining <laughs> reviews um, for, you know, maybe probably not finishing in the top 10 this coming season, but do you have a player that might stand out? I think this season, creatively, Alan Sam Maximan is probably one of the most exciting players in the Premier League. I think if he was at the likes of Manchester United, they'd be bandying the word world-class around. Not that I'm saying that he is, but I think that's the level that would, they would give to him if he was playing in another club. Even when you look at Wolves and, and um, Traore, I think Sam Maximum is actually a better player than Traore. He has the ability to take a really mundane and, and really um, basic championship Newcastle United team and create from absolutely nothing, which he did on regular occasions um, in, a, in a black and white shirt in 2019-20. And when we brought him in, you just saw the club lifted. Whenever he was injured or he wasn't on the pitch, you just instantly noticed that he wasn't there. I'm actually looking forward to this season. I think they're going to do better than you predict. Granted, I, I am not uh, as, as in the weeds as you are with, with everything going on with Newcastle. But I have, I have faith. I, think, I, I think they'll stick right. around. <laughs> I hope you're right, Max. <laughs> you shall see. The topic this time is, of course, uh, reviewing Sheffield United, your your team, which you support. And, and before we hop in there, uh, is there any background to the to, to your support? Um, I think just locality. So I grew up in the south of England, but I moved up to Sheffield when I was about 10 and they were the local team. Um, and at the time I moved up, it coincided very nicely with us getting promoted to the Premier League. So I had season ticket for a good few years um, and then kind of fell out just as I started working full time. But yeah, like the love for it is real again. And, and it's so good to see us back in the Premier League as well. So the love comes back once they're in the Prem. Is that what I'm no, hearing? Like fair no. weather fan? No, no. The, the love came back a good few years ago when I figured out that I could actually plan my work schedule around football. So that's that's my uh, priorities in life is football then work. I, I love that. that. <laughs> of course, of course. Last year was my personal first year watching Sheffield in the Prem. Um, and uh, they came in like a tour de force, punching mm-hmm. above their weight and making many feel as though they were Prem vets. Uh, Post COVID break, uh, lockdown, whatever we'll call it, hiatus, they, they lost their steam and fell from like a top six position and, and then into ninth. Um, but overall, would you consider last year a success? Yes, like a hundred percent. I think when we were in the moment and, you know, when I'd go into work on a, on a Monday morning after the weekend fixtures and maybe we'd lost at times, I was like, this is ridiculous. We should have won. But if you told me at the start of the season that I'd even be having those conversations, I would have snapped your hand off. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it felt, it felt like an absolute whirlwind. Um, it felt like we were catfishing. Like Mm. we were just fully tricking everybody. And at one point, and it kind of felt like, I suppose, lockdown when we came out of the, uh, the lockdown and started playing again, I felt like that was the point where everybody had started to suss us out and they were like, "Mm, you don't belong here, but we (laughs) pulled it back a little bit. Now going into 2020, uh, you haven't really changed too much to your squad. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Henderson, um, came back to United and you, you you purchased Ramsdale. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think now that people from what you've said have figured out your system, do you think you guys will need any more changes or um, are you set as is? It's a really good question. Um, I, I think the concern is, you know, we've had our first season in the Premier League and we were new, we were exciting. We maybe caught clubs off guard because they didn't know what to expect. Um, but I think there's probably that element of surprise has gone. And so we do need to like keep keep changing the style ever so slightly to still surprise our opponents. Um, it's a real shame to see Dean Henderson go. Like, I'm, I'm gutted. I think it was inevitable at some point we were going to lose him because he's such a phenomenal player. I think Aaron Ramsdale is a great up-and-coming player and it's lovely to see him back with Sheffield United again after you know, being with us through his youth. Um, I, I, 
I really hope we're going to do something to bolster our attack again. And maybe that's controversial because we brought in a couple of expensive, well, expensive for us players last season. But I feel like that's maybe one area in which we could really do some work, like in this off season. I love it. We won't jinx it. Um, <laughs> now, as we look forward to 2020, um, how do you see the Blades faring? I think we will finish, I'm going to say mid-table, first of all. Um, I think there's there's the horrible second season in the Premier League curse. I think we'll avoid that. I hope our close rivals, Leeds, get relegated and therefore we don't. Um, <laughs> so so that, that's my biggest wish. If they don't last a second season, I'll be happy. And who do you think is right above and right below? Um, I am going to say above us. Um, oh, good one. Who am I going to say above us? Do you know, I'm going to be super adventurous and also slightly critical of them. And I'm going to say Wolves are going to be directly Ooh. above us. I love the shot. I love the shot. Yeah. I mean, that would need Wolves to massively underperform, but I've said it now. I've put my, put my foot in it. Um, and simply because it will really, really frustrate Helen for me to say this, I'm going to say that Newcastle United will finish directly below Sheffield United. Ooh. Simply to frustrate um, my women's soccer show co-host, Helen. <laughs> you know what I love what you've done right now is we we actually we've uh, asked another person to speak on their thoughts on Wolves season. So oh, there's no. a nice you know there's a nice little uh, interwoven thread coming between all of our our interviewees <laughs> where they're shouting out other people or shooting them down and indirectly they don't even know it. So you know this is great. You've set up enemies. Well done, Hannah. Um, I, I I love that take. Now where where exactly mid table? You're saying smack dab. 10, 11, or are you going a little higher, a little lower? Ooh. Okay, I'm going to say ninth again, because I would be over the moon, first of all, with another top 10 finish, I think, in our second season. And I think that's achievable. Fingers crossed and I, and, and knocking on wood that uh, maybe you guys make it into Europe. Oh, how great would that be? Thank you so much. Fingers crossed that didn't jinx it. <laughs> We're very excited to have uh, Mr. Teddy Ely um, on the pod. Uh, Teddy is a diehard Wolves fan. Teddy, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Max. Really excited to be on. Teddy, I think the first question that we always have to cover is um, really how how you kind of chose Wolves of, of all teams uh, to, to throw your weight behind. <sighs> Definitely. It was, uh, as you're all aware, February break 2011. And, uh, you know, I flipped on ESPN uh, and sure enough, Wolves against Manchester United are on. You know, everyone, of course, has hold of, heard of the global brand Manchester United. So honestly, I was probably leaning towards them. And, uh, you know, Wolves were in 20th place at the time. And then they uh, miraculously pulled off a 2-1 win to... Uh, you know, uh, break up Manchester United's undefeated run, I believe. And uh, from then on, yeah, I really supported this team from Wolverhampton. And, you know, I had to look it up on the map, do my do my research. But ever since then, I've been a big fan. Definitely the back-to-back relegations in 2012, 2013 really, uh, really <laughs> hurt. But, uh, yeah, I've stayed strong. And, yeah, the reward of the last few seasons have been uh, made it definitely worth it, I would say. Wolves have, in some some respects, perhaps exceeded expectations. Yet, I think you might argue they're kind of competing where they they should be. Um, last year, they finished seventh, um, and and more unfortunately edged out of you know straight into you know Europe play uh, with Europa League. But um, how did you feel uh, about last year's 2018-2019 season? Yeah, honestly, it was a tremendous season. We played. Uh... I think it's 2019, 2020, real fast next, but we played, uh, Ooh, you're right. Yeah. Played 59 games, which is, uh, pretty incredible all the way from Armenia to Northern Ireland with the Europa league run. And, uh, yeah, just, just at, at the end, so you saw post lockdown against Sevilla and Olympiacos. We were just absolutely dead, both physically and, uh, mentally. So, I think the summer break we just had is really well, uh, really important for us. But yeah, we we 
it was a tremendous season. Right now we're at that key point where, you know, can either fight on and try and push upwards from like, you know, the top six, start competing with them, or we could kind of fall back more into the, you know, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Everton now competing and, you know, the more mid table. So I think we really need to get this uh, summer recruitment window right. And yeah, a big, big month coming up here. Right. What do you what do you think needs to happen for your team to um, make an ascent into the into the top six? Yeah, we've had a couple players out on loan and Johnny are starting left wing back with the long term ACL injuries out. So we've got about 13 senior players, uh, which has me quite nervous. Um, So I'd say we definitely are in need of a right wing back now to replace Mac Doherty. Um, We need some, I'd say really an attacking midfielder that can help bring the ball up as right now Nevish and Moutinho are a little more deeper lying uh, playmaker. So someone that can kind of take on a man and bring the ball up is pretty essential. We could really use with another center back. Um, yeah, right now we kind of had Roman Saisu shifted from midfield into defense all last season, who did a great job, but it would, you know, really be in our best interest to uh, get another, uh, you know, proper center back in there. And then some, Backup for Raul Jimenez right now is pretty essential as well as he he was our main goal scorer, top attacking threat, great link up play, and probably played in like fifty six or something games last year. So we really need a capable backup. Fortunately, you've been able to hold on to Jimenez, which is, um, in, in my estimation, you know, uh, almost the the biggest component of that that front line that'll hopefully keep you trucking through next year um from a from i guess two perspectives here one what is your what is your gut realistic um take on just how the transfer season's been going thus far uh where you see wolves netting next year and then what is your best case optimistic scenario perspective uh on on wolves potential outcome yeah, I must say, uh, Wolf's Twitter is definitely freaking out right now. Uh, we uh, like the, the organization really likes to keep all the new signings uh, on wrap, so we don't really get any rumors at all, which has us feeding off scraps. So I don't, we don't really know what's what's going on in the back. So I can't <laughs> wish I had something more concrete to give, but really hope we get some signings in. Um, in terms of realistic. Again, our top 11 players, I would say, and definitely a top, top 10 side, top, say within the top eight, it's just a matter of having some backup in case there are any of the inevitable injuries that will come with the season. I think best case scenario, we realistically, a lot of the big six have, have made some great signs this year. So I'd, 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 I'd be happy with the eighth place finish, best case scenario, though, like top five. Footy Fellows is honored to have um, the affectionately known Geech on the pod, our resident Tottenham diehard fan. Uh, Jack, welcome to the pod. It's great to be here, Max. Um, it, it's an honor. It was, it was great uh, the, the first time, and I'm looking, looking forward to give, handing, handing over my two cents here um, to the, uh, for, the, for the Spurs outlook. We, we appreciate that. You know, we were looking at Tottenham, you know, in review from last year and, uh, and what a roller coaster ride that was with, with the departure of Potch, the insertion of, of Jose. I'm not sure if there's any other way of describing that. Um, nope. And then landing, <laughs> landing in sixth place, which was technically, technically above Arsenal. Would you say that last year was a successful season? It was successful because we weren't relegated. <laughs> Brutal. But by any other standards, I, I think I, I think coming off of the the prior season and the last couple under Potch, the expectation was really high. Um, and I think the lack of investment over the summer, the lack of fresh fresh faces, new blood to really lighten up the squad and bring bring some new ideas, really really brought down the end of the Potch regime, which. Um, which I was personally heartbroken over. Um, and while you could look at Mourinho did a, did a great job for the club. I, I don't know what position they were in when he came and took over the role, 
Um, but finishing in sixth, getting European football, I, th- I think that actually is a, a pretty big small win for the club. But um, it, that's like taking a very short-term view. If you take a long-term view for the club, and, and we can expand upon this further, but uh, taking a, a long-term view over the club and, and just the way it's been handled at the highest level by, by Levy, I think um, it has to be a huge, huge disappointment um, having to let go of, of Poch, who, who brings that proactive, uh, really quality football, brought you to a Champions, Champions League final, had you close to winning the league in, in albeit a very off season for the other big clubs. Um, but had you in, in second, another year had you in third, they hadn't had that many top finishes, con- that many consecutive top finishes, um, re- at least in the preceding five years. You uh, you mentioned how part of his potential, you know, demise, one, one variable may have been the lack of support um, in the transfer market. Um, coming into 2020, you guys have brought in uh, Mr. Daugherty and uh, Hoisberg, um, in, into the lineup. Uh, I wouldn't say either, in my humble opinion, are, are extremely flashy players, but, but do you feel like they are the proper, um, uh, ammunition needed to make a proper, um, stride in the uh, upcoming season? I, I think it really depends on like what, what level, what the expectation is from the board. And I mean, Looking at a Mourinho squad, I, I think they're really, really good pieces, and I, I think they'll fit in nicely. Um, I definitely think we need a couple more pieces, particularly in the in the midfield, and and someone to give Harry, good old good old Harry, some some support there. Um, but nothing about the signings really makes me. Nothing about the squad right now makes me think that. that like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet any money right now that Spurs are going to be in the top four unless Mourinho winds back the clock and and turns out to be the special one once again. But I, I don't really see that happening. Um, yeah, nothing nothing about this squad says says top four for me. Uh, where where then do you see them finishing in the twenty twenty one table? I, I think with the Mourinho squad, rock bottom is pretty pretty out of the question. Um, I think. Best best case scenario, we squeeze into a fourth, but I, I think most likely would be stay in that five six. I think a real a tenable goal would be actually the Europa League, which would be kind of fun. Would bring some life to the squad um, if they can rally behind that objective. Can I get you to make it a commitment as to whether or not Tottenham will finish above Arsenal? Oh wow! Um, oh man, that, that's tough. Um. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. I I will make a personal geech commitment to uh to you, Mr. Jones, here on the pod. You guys, you guys have heard it here first. Spurs are going to finish above Arsenal this year against all the odds. Wow, incredible! I I I, I agree. I, I hear everything about the you know the quote unquote top four. If we're going to call the established City, Liverpool, United, and Chelsea, um. Spending, spending, if not already, you know, pulling in a team that's pretty accomplished. But um, that said, to your point, I think there is a lot of um, there's a lot of room for exciting games between Arsenal and Leicester and especially Tottenham, who who does have some 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 talent, although it got a little uh, run over last year. Um, Right. I think I think one thing, actually, as you as you said that I just just this this kind of popped to mind thinking about the consolidation of talent at the top four maybe that sets up spurs in a good in a better spot than i'm in a better spot than i'm portraying them given jose's um history as as kind of that underdog and being able to play uh counter-attacking football more more defensive conservative maybe because the top four teams are that much stronger maybe that gives spurs actually a better chance um at undermining them that's a actually that's a great take. I don't know if I would give Levy that much credit. Um, <laughs> I'd be curious how that that thought plays out over the course of the season. Jack, you are our first guest on the podcast, our first official guest, and now you're back to talk Everton. Yes, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Of course, you are not only the biggest Everton fan I know, but the only one. Yeah, probably. I was gonna. I was gonna think for a second for real and see if I actually knew other other Everton fans, but you might be the only one. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. I definitely get that a lot. Well, right now might actually be a decent time to be an Everton fan. You actually texted me earlier and you said uh, 
you got to be on the lookout today because there's some big news. And they've been, they've made a couple moves in the transfer market so far. Are you satisfied, would you say, with what Everton has done in the transfer market so far, bringing in Allen and Rodriguez? Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with it. Um, so, yeah, there's been a lot of rumors going around about, yeah, Allen and James, as you mentioned, but also Decore from from Watford. Um, I think if we got those three guys, I would be you know thrilled about what we've done in the, the transfer market so far. Um, the midfield was definitely our, our biggest weakness um, by far last year. So I think, you know, bringing in three central midfielders immediately is, is something that's definitely going to help a ton next season and get rid of that weakness immediately. Yeah, they're kind of overhauling, just overhauling completely the midfield. If they bring in, especially all three of these guys and plug them in, that would be a, a very different looking Everton side this year. Very different looking and uh, a lot better looking in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, we definitely had a, a few holes in the, the center of midfield um, due to injuries and other things. But yeah, I think bringing these three guys in would, would definitely sure it up a bit. Fair enough. A rock at the back, however, even though you had some holes, Jordan Pickford, everyone's favorite, very extremely British looking goalie. <laughs> Do you think Pickford at this point in his career is a top three keeper in the league? I honestly don't think so. Um, I think that when he first came to Everton a few years ago, you know, he was showing a lot of potential, a lot of promise. I think last year, especially, um, he had some games where he'd, you know, make a few great saves and keep us in the game. But he also had a ton of games where he's making mistakes that would, you know, lead to an opposition goal. Um, so I think for him, it's just locking down that consistency before we even, you know, bring him into the top three conversation. Um, as of now, and you know, based on last year, I think he's he's honestly around average in the league. Um, but he has that potential. That's the thing is he has that X factor that you know could potentially bring him up to those numbers someday if he does get his consistency right. Feels like Everton has had a couple of players. I mean, Pickford every year it feels like there's the potential because he makes those big saves, like you mentioned. Even you know, bringing in Keane and Sigurdsson and some others in, in recent years where you feel like the potential is there and they're either at the beginning of their career or a couple of years into their career. Mm-hmm. And it just it hasn't paid off so far. I don't know. Do you, f- do you feel the same way with some of the players they brought in recently? Completely agree with that. Um, and I think it's, as I just mentioned with Pickford, I think it's been kind of the same issue across the board of just consistency. You know, these are all players that, you know, they can show that potential and on a given day they can be uh, top class players but they just don't have that week in week out consistency that you need to be pushing for, you know, a Europe, European spot in the league. Um, so I think that's something that we definitely look to, to fix this year and really put all the pieces together for once. Do you think kind of the ultimate question, mm-hmm. do you think that Everton has what it takes to finish in the top 10 or even the top six this year? I think top 10 is a must, um, especially with the players, you know, bringing in the players that we just spoke about, um, and James, Allen, and uh, and Decore. I think top ten is is an absolute must. Um, it's something that I would expect. You know, just again fixing that midfield weakness that was glaring last year, but also having Ancelotti at the helm for a full year um, and giving him the the time he really needs to shape this team and and give it a real identity. I think when he was brought in, it was you know it was already past halfway through the season. Um, we had a lot of issues, a lot of injuries. So giving him that full year from start to finish to really figure out what this team's all about and to get that identity right, um, I think will will make a big impact. So I think top 10 definitely. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if people can play to their full potential, maybe we can push for a European spot. Um, you know, I'm not hoping for that, but, um, you know, it's something that could happen if everything goes right. The league does just genuinely feel from a from a, the perspective of someone who's, not an Everton fan, but the league feels genuinely more fun when Everton is in the mix, you know, <laughs> in, in the mixer for a top six kind of battling with, usually it's like Arsenal right at the edge or Tottenham, one of those two teams just locked in a, in a, in a race for that six, fifth, sixth spot. 100%. I think it's interesting because, you know, nowadays we have this traditional top six that people always talk about. Um, but it is really interesting when some other teams get mixed up there. Like last year, um, you know, with Wolves and even Sheffield pushing and Leicester. I think it's really great to see teams that aren't in the traditional top six pushing for those spots. So, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we could be one of the teams in the conversation. Uh, we'll just have to see if we can, you know, put all the pieces together. I'll give you the soapbox for, for 20, 30 seconds since you've been so efficient and, and precise <laughs> with your answers so far, Jack. I'll give you the soapbox for 30 seconds. Anything else you're excited about, nervous about, 
looking forward to generally for the upcoming Premier League season? Um, I, I mean, with these transfers that I've looked at specifically with with Everton in the last week, it's it sounds really exciting. Um, you know, we've talked about as Everton fans the pull that Ancelotti has to bring players in um, since he arrived, but um, you know now we're really seeing it in action. You know, if you're looking at last year at the beginning of the year and past years, bringing in James Rodriguez, you know, a name like that from Real Madrid would not be even a conversation that you'd have. Um, so I think just seeing that pull in action is really exciting for me. Um, but, you know, every Premier League season, you know, has its unique identity and it, they're all super exciting. Um, and I'm just really ready to get back into it uh, after the, uh, you know, the short break we've had. But, um, you know, it's always nice to have games to, to watch on Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Man, if they get World Cup James, you know, if they can just channel that like month long of James Rodriguez, the best player in the world, and that's what they get for a full season, I think they're they might crack the top four. Not to get too <laughs> too crazy on you. Yeah, I mean, he scored it. Uh, I think he scored every game that he played in at that World Cup. So um, yeah, I mean, if we could get if we could get some sort of um, you know flashes of that, I think uh, I think it'll be pretty exciting for us. Definitely great to have you back, Tim. If you don't believe that Tim is an an Arsenal diehard fan, you can check out episode 14 when we chatted (laughs) with him last time because you you proved it there with some good good clapbacks when our man Jones was giving you a hard time. (laughs) This is is true. I had to. (laughs) Which Arsenal player are you most excited about for this upcoming season? I think for me personally, that's a very easy question. That is Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I found that he has always been a player who stood out to me, the way he moves, the way he plays, uh, the way he carries himself. And in the last six months, as Arteta took over, he just found this beautiful role tactically as this left wing fullback who in attack is a left winger and then a bombing gets to come middle, but then can still defend. And he's just so, he's just so good and he's so young. So I'm excited for him. They have a lot of good young talent these days and I'm excited that he stands out for you. Mm-hmm. How optimistic are you that Arteta's recent success in these cups where Arsenal has gone above and beyond, basically, taking home some trophies, how confident are you and optimistic are you that that success will carry over to managing the upcoming Premier League season? Well, I definitely think winning is a habit, success is a habit, and uh, winning trophies helps you know build that sustainably. Um, I think my, my expectations or at least my hope for this season is, of course, that he can continue the good form of the team, specifically its defensive structure and ability to stay in games for longer periods of time than we did under Unai Emery. But I still think this is a project in the very early days. And if anything, I'm a little nervous that people are maybe adding some pressure to Arteta where if we struggle at the beginning, people will be like, whoa, but we just won the FA Cup. Like, um, so I, I think it's important to be patient. Where do you think he stacks up against Wenger at this point in his short Arsenal managerial career? It's funny that you say that because as you were framing that question, I thought you were going to ask me how he stacks up against the other Premier League managers. And I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know, because people have been going crazy on Instagram saying he's like third or fourth best because he beat all the other top ones recently. I think that that's a tough thing to say off the bat. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that as much as I love him. Um, in regards to Wenger, you, you, you can't compare 20 plus years of building and creating the club that now Arteta has been running for six months. Um, it's, in, it's incomparable in my eyes, sadly. It's very fair. It's a fair answer. I'm just trying to stir the pot, you know, just Absolutely. trying to stir the pot for all the, all the Wenger lovers out there. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, Wenger has been forgotten quicker than I would have hoped or that being said. I do think because Arteta played under Wenger, there will be cultural elements that he will naturally uh, reinforce once again because he saw the success that Wenger was able to give. I mean, listen, I love Arteta. I'm excited for him. I really think he understands the human element and the tactical element in a way that Wenger would have. Uh, But Arteta is just like, he's got such a different type of fire, as it were, where Wenger, it's like, if Wenger yells, you know you really, something's going wrong. And uh, I think Arteta is not naturally as calm as that, but in a good way. Do you think that Aubameyang will take home the golden boot this year? 
you know, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be in the top three. He just always is, whether that's for Arsenal, whether that's for Dortmund. And I think tactically he's going to be in a place this season, um, especially after he signs the contract, which I do think he will sign and I hope he does sign. I think he's in a very good place to only be focused on scoring goals. The way I felt when he scored that goal against Liverpool in the Community Shield was that's a player who the second he picked up the ball on the left side outside the box, he understood I'm in this team, I'm on the pitch to shoot. I am the guy that's going to take that half chance and without a hesitation rips it into the top corner side netting goal. Uh, I think he understands like that's what he's there to do and I think Arteta's working to put people around him that serve other functions that can allow Aubameyang to just focus on scoring. Where do you see Arsenal finishing in the table this upcoming year? The ultimate question. I mean, I feel bad because I feel like because you've been so gracious and you've had me on to your podcast again, I feel like I have to give you an answer, even though if we were speaking privately, all I would ever say is, how would I know? You know, all I can do is, all I can do is hope. Yep. I mean... I think realistically, I go into every season thinking, and I do again this season, there's no reason why we would not be fourth, potentially third. That being said, we know how things normally go, especially for Arsenal in terms of errors and mistakes and injuries. You know, we could easily be fifth or sixth, but I think this season, what I expect more than anything is that wherever we finish, I think that... um, we'll be battling for longer than we have been in previous seasons. But for you, I will give an answer, and I will say that we will finish fourth this season. I appreciate that, Tim. I think they'll absolutely be battling for the top four. Mm -hmm. I'll give you 30 30 seconds. You can get on your soapbox. Anything else you're excited about or nervous about or looking forward to for Arsenal this upcoming season? I think I'm really looking forward to seeing the continued development of Bakayu Saka. Um, it's just been so long since we've had so many great young players and watching him play, he's fearless. He really is. He's, he can do so many things and he's just so young, man. Like, you know, it's crazy to think about. So I'm just excited for him to continue, continue to grow and for the team spirit to continue to grow. Um, but I mean, more than anything, man, you know, this well, being an Arsenal fan is really, really tough. So I'm just more than anything excited to go into a year with some true optimism. I want to welcome our good friend and the biggest West Ham fan we know, Pete, to the pod. No, Eli, thanks for having me, man. I am ready to talk about Mikel Antonio. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the news today, what happened? No, what happened today? I mean, if we can just, yeah. <laughs> the transfer news, I read all the rumors. It's an absolute roller coaster with West Ham. I really shouldn't because <laughs> most of them don't end up happening. Um, but the, the big news today was... Uh, there's a there's a winger that um that came through our academy named Grady Dangana, um, and we loaned him out to West Bromwich, uh, last last season, and he kind of helped them push for promotion, right? And he came this he's supposed to play for us this season, um, and it just came out in the news that we've agreed to terms with West Brom at about 18 million pounds, I think, something like that, um, that he'll go there permanently. Um, and he was kind of the one bright spot, at least for me in the transfer window that I knew we'd have coming through. Um, so it was, it was a blow for sure. And I, I'm kind of hoping we wake up tomorrow and realize it was all a dream and that he's still on West Ham for the season. That is a tough move for them. I was going to ask you about their lack of transfer market activity so far, but it sounds like we shouldn't even go there because it's kind of, it'll, it'll be tough for you to speak about <laughs> No, it's there isn't there isn't too much activity, right? And I think the transfer window is open until I think it's through through October this year. So hopefully something happens. Um, but they you know they made some moves in the January transfer window, brought in a winger, um, Jared Bowen, and they brought in a uh, central defensive midfielder, Thomas Suchek, as well. So those those two signings have done fairly well. Um, Suchek is really productive in the air, and 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 Bowen takes probably the most shots of anyone in the league. Almost I was looking. But really the biggest news, man, is hopefully we keep Duck on Rice and he doesn't go to Chelsea. Someone that was a bit more proficient, especially at the end of last year, especially for my fantasy team for maybe one week when I was smart enough to pick him up, Mikel Antonio, is he the best player in the league going into going into this year? 100%. Uh, Absolutely. Easily right. the most underrated 
no, pick him up once again. I would, I would really suggest it for your fantasy team. Um, you know, we, I didn't quite know what the, the strategy would look like for Moyes, what his plan would be after he, he took over um, halfway through the season uh, when Pellegrini was fired. He came in, you know, he, he played a 4-2-3-1 for the most part um, and, and started building a more consistent roster. And it, it ended up seeing Mikel Antonio up front um, sort of as the lone striker there. Absolutely happy to rely on him there. Because if you just think about it, Moyes ball, defense first. You've got a defensive midfielder with a center back, with center back qualities, right? You think of Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek a little bit. That guy has to have a little bit of an eye for goal. Um, and then basically what you do is, is you've got this converted passing defensive midfielder in the 10 slot. And he kind of targets these guys who, who move into the offensive zones. He targets them, tries to get the ball up to them. And as, as soon as they get the ball up there, they tend to shoot. So Mikel Antonio and, and, uh, and Jared Bowen had some of the most shots in the league. Um, and, and you can see us just playing these top six teams, kind of classic Moyes, being a little bit defensive, sitting back a little bit, and then just looking to hit them on the counter. Ultimate question, Pete, where do you see West Ham finishing in the table this upcoming Premier League season? Uh, yeah, it's a really, it's a really tough one. Um, I don't expect too much of an improvement from over last season. Um, I would expect them to maybe just avoid the drop zone as well this coming season. Um, now you let's, let's realize, let's take note of the fact that you and I are talking on a day where the biggest bright spot in the transfer window could have, uh, could have just gone away. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm feeling a little bit down about our, our chances and, and what our squad's going to be looking like. Um, but yeah, I would expect us to, to kind of narrowly avoid the drop zone next season, if that makes sense. Don't want to be overly optimistic. Now, we, we finished 10th in, uh, in the 2018-19 season, and that was probably the, kind of the peak for us in terms of when things were looking up. We brought in Allaire, we brought in Pablo Fornals on the wing, um, a couple different players. So we were pretty active in the transfer market. Um, you know, obviously did not know that, that things would go so awry this last season. And we, we, you know, be firing a manager, bringing in a new one to save us for the second time um, and finishing 16th, five, play, five points above the drop zone. Um, but, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, things are looking up. Yarmolenko scored with his right foot in a preseason game against Brentford. That's huge. I'm surprised like, I didn't see that in the headlines. That's like massive. I don't know when the last time he scored with his right was because everyone should know he always cuts to his left. If we can just fly under the radar just like that, and he can occasionally also use his right foot, things could uh, be better than, than I'm even saying, Eli. Who knows? I like this. You started with the candidness, the honesty, and we moved into optimism. You're ready. You got you got me feeling good about West Ham chances. Yeah, that's because that's because I thought about Mikel Antonio again. If, he, if we can put him at striker, I think it'll be all fine. Massive thanks again to everyone that spoke with us. Even though we loved getting into all those teams, we obviously couldn't include every single team in the Premier League table. Otherwise, you'd be here till midnight, assuming you're starting the episode at around 10-ish, if I'm doing the math right, and we kept doing the six-minute segments. Back of the napkin math. Yep. Anyways, we couldn't get every single team but there's obviously still some teams near the top we didn't mention, whether it be Man U, Man City, Chelsea, Leicester. There's some teams still trying to find their identity in the middle of the table. Crystal Palace, Southampton, who came on pretty strong at the end of last year, Burnley, Brighton, Aston Villa, and then you got the newbies, the clubs that got promoted from the championship last year, whether it's Fulham, Leeds, West Brom, a lot of teams that deserve to be talked about, and we'll see how the season plays out as it starts next weekend that we just couldn't get to right here. One team in particular that uh, we should probably spend a, a quick breath on, as I think we all think they are super important. Um, and most importantly too, keeping this timely, are not playing next week. So that's really helpful, uh, would be Man United. And uh, the fact that they are somewhat active in the marketplace, I think the, the, more, the more keen uh, note to take away from their existence in the league for this upcoming season 
is that they are, they, they are a team that is challenging for a top four spot. They have good momentum coming from 2019. They have a young team with talent that's starting to bubble up. Um, and they are very much in the race uh, that Chelsea has, well, catapulted themselves into too. Um, I, I think the main note for United going into this next season, they have a lot of promise. Um, they don't have a ton, ton of depth. Um, they have a fast attack. Their defense is a little off-putting. Um, end of the day, main two bullets. It's going to be interesting uh, as a United fan to see what happens with De Gea and Henderson, who maintains the first position. Does it fluctuate throughout the year? Um, and second is, will he, won't he, is Sancho coming to join United? Um, I think he is objectively a uh, amazing talent, um, and any team in the top four would be lucky to have him. Sounds like a Love Island sequel. Jaden Sancho, will he or won't he? I, look, I, I I think he's uh, he is looking like a star every every time I see him on the field at watching the England game. Like he legitimately looks like a superstar, just playing on his own wing. The way his team is respecting him and giving the ball all the time. The way the defenders are respecting him. I just look at him and I'm thinking to myself, watching this game. Look, he didn't score in the game. He didn't assist in the game. He didn't do anything like that. But at his age, looking the way he just manifests himself on the field and the way he's effective. Like the dude is objectively a superstar. If United doesn't get him, he's like he would. He looks to me like he would actually work on legitimately any like world class team. Um, whether you define United as that or not doesn't matter. But <laughs> he, he, I really do think he's he's got the looks of a star. I want to touch on Chelsea as well because I don't know if they were literally the most active team in the transfer market this offseason, but it certainly felt like it. In the, the summer transfer window, they brought in so many names. Icy talked about a couple last episode, Chilwell and Tiago Silva. And that's just the start of it because where they really did their damage is in the attack, bringing in Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. And they're going to be stacked. They're going to be stacked across the front lines, which on one hand makes it kind of difficult to know who their breakout star is going to be unless the whole team just gels so well and everyone brings their stats up another level their play up another level but for the team for the the standings where Chelsea falls you'd have to think they're anything less than top four this season would be a, a surefire disappointment they should be scoring goals the defense should be improved and we'll see what that does for their standing this upcoming season yeah and quickly I will just do a quick overview of City prior to season starting next weekend. Similar to Man United, they will not be playing next weekend. Uh, they are postponed as well as United. But their team is looking very strong. No, really no noticeable and, and mentionable departures. Um, they are not going to end up with Lionel Messi. Thank goodness as a Liverpool fan myself, um, Messi is going to stay in Barcelona. Um and they did pick up a defender, uh, Nathan Ake from Bournemouth, uh, which is gonna, which is good. Ferran Torres, um, who they picked up from Valencia. So they picked up a couple players, but they still got KDB. They still have uh, Sterling. They have a great attack. Um, so I think if they don't finish first or second this year, uh, it will be a disappointment for them. Out of the new three promoted squads, Leeds, West Brom, and Fulham, do we think there's any obvious one? This team will absolutely cut it and actually could finish mid-table and push for something, kind of like Sheffield did last season, or a team that's wow, they really aren't going to belong. It's going to be obvious, kind of like how Norwich finished last season. I know people are excited about Bielsa, Leeds coach, and excited about the Leeds story. A lot of energy there. Same thing with Fulham. I've heard a couple of names being thrown around for possible Premier League players to pick up in fantasy. I honestly haven't heard too much about West Brom and, and followed the championship last season, but don't have too much intel. Any additional thoughts on these promoted teams? Uh, I do know historically that West Brom is an extremely boring team, so uh, their ascent might be nice for um, nostalgia's sake, but uh, I'm, I'm personally fine with them managing to fall out again. That's neither here nor there. That's not helpful. I just, that's my personal hot take. You've been calling them the West Brom bottom feeders all week. They're just the, the, West, the West Brom bums. The West, the West, West Brums. Bums. Um, 
uh, and yes, totally feel the, the, the love for leads. Um, uh, I, I, again, this is like, this is, I'm just being a columnist right now. All right. I've got no data on, on, on anything, but Fulham is a team that I would love to see, um, stay up and I'd love to see them thrive. That'd be awesome for them to, to make that run. Um, you know, and while Leeds is technically a rival of United, I too, like, it doesn't matter. Whenever you have a new team, I would love to see them do well. Um, except for West Brom. Can't stress that enough. West Brom can leave. <laughs> if anything, if we played a season with just 19 teams, I like, I, if that meant losing a week, okay, or two, I, fine. Fulham, Fulham used to be so exciting with Dempsey when they were in the league that a couple years where I remember being a fan because Dempsey was playing there. But beyond that, I haven't thought too much about Fulham so I'm excited to see them back in the league yeah I don't know anything and so I can't speak much to it but Leeds plays Liverpool on Saturday so I'm excited to see it we'll see what they're made up made of first week front and center against your boys it's true it's a big test big test for all of you if you join our freaking fantasy premier league huh how about that how about you join our our freaking league I mentioned earlier if you haven't already but but really appreciate everyone that's joined so far Super nice of you. Welcome to the community. Hey, but if you haven't, if you haven't joined it and you're listening to this, what are you doing? Sort it out. Sort yourself out. Again, it's a super friendly league. Very chill. No hard commitment. And we're just here to have fun, you know? But if you don't, I will find you. I will make you sign up. And you might win money. And you'll thank me. That's the West Brom and Max coming out. Sorry, it's aggressive. <laughs> It's aggressive. I just love a good deal. We do good cop West Brom cop here. We don't know anything about West Brom, the place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. As always, thanks for supporting us. We appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Check it all out. Be a part of it. Until next week. West Brom out. See you next week. Yeah. Please. Please. Yeah.